Hi guys, I'm Millie Fox, serial entrepreneur, energetic business coach, and lover of all things luxury. Welcome to the Millie Fox Show, a place where you'll encounter refreshing perspectives on manifestation, spirituality, and the new paradigm of feminine leadership. Let's dive in. Guys, before you get started on this really beautiful flowing conversation about tapping into your essence and the power that lies within that, I wanted to take a second to let you know about the Manifest More Money Challenge starting today. Starting today. If you're listening to this on the day that this podcast episode launches, which is Friday, September the 10th. So if you're listening to this live right now on the day it launches, it's not too late for you to sign up. The link is in the show notes to get in on this four-day challenge to come back to the basics of manifestation, stop overcomplicating things, and turn your $10 latte manifestations into $10,000 in the bank manifestations. It's going to be so much fun. I'm already having so much fun. And the, the part about it that I'm most excited about is the four days of live private Voxer coaching with everybody who's in the challenge. That chat group is already popping off and I want you to get inside. So click the link in the show notes, get yourself signed up. It's $44 for a four-day challenge and you're going to supercharge your money manifesting capabilities and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So come and join us and enjoy the episode. I am very excited about today's episode, folks. I'm here with my mastermind sister, Kareen. Kareen is a dance educator and massage therapist turned energetic coach and human design expert. She specializing specializes in helping women reconnect to their essence. So there's a lot that goes into that because I feel like society just tries their tries its best in all sorts of weird ways to disconnect us from our essence. So it's so needed, so beautiful, and I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. So welcome, Kareen. So happy to have Hello. you here. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Millie. Yes, you have some beautiful mountains behind you or like I, they look like mountains to yeah. me because, you know, where yes, we are, they're mountains. <laughs> there's nothing. Um, uh, if you're watching on the audio only, obviously you can't see, but if you did not know, the podcast also lives on YouTube. So you can also see our beautiful faces if you prefer that. Anyways, we are just going to dive right into womanhood. Let's just get into motherhood and womanhood. And what do you think is think is missing from most women's lives these days that's the question I'm gonna ask you first I feel like it's 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 sort of just a sense of of, of like aliveness and like awe for living I think that I know this for myself it's it's very it's a very slippery slope between being the woman that you desire to be in terms of getting all the things done, achieving, uh, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. If you have one, if you don't have a, your own family, you likely have other people in your life that you're taking care of. And 
while this is so enriching and so beautiful, it's, it's really like the how of like, how are we going about this day to day? Because it can just become so much of like a past fail kind of feeling Mm -hmm. like, did I get it all done? Is it good enough? And even the things that we, I feel like that we build in, even if you have a self-care practice that we build into our lives, it's really continuously checking in of, am I even, am I actually even enjoying this Mm -hmm. or am I just getting into, okay, I did that. I went to the gym. I have my massage, you know, because I know women who have access to great self-care, but if you're not fully receiving it, if you're not relaxed, if you don't find space to, to relax within your life and your day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. And really comes back down to like this essence, this like connectedness to the moment and to ourselves. Right. Yeah. And it's really, I think a big a, a big piece is understanding the layers that we go through as we're processing the world, as we're, as we're decision-making, as we are receiving or responding to our, to our, our daily lives, because it's like, we first go through our head, right? Our thoughts respond first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then it, then it's emotion emotion tied into that. And then it's only when we can actually get through those two things that we can even tap into our essence, tap into our, you know, intuition, soul, essence, all these different terms that we use for it. But I think it's so easy to get caught in thoughts and emotion first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've really been thinking a lot about is, you know, in human design, we have various centers that we we work with and the head center is defined in about 30ish percent of the population and undefined in the rest of the population and what this means if you are new to human design is that any center that has definition has consistent energy and so our people with with defined head and defined ajna they are, they have consistent energy in their thoughts and, and how they're processing information. And so for these people, it is very normal to consistently have this, this head energy, right? It, that's normal for them. And so for them, it's, it's about using their, their head energy more for curiosity mm-hmm. and than it is for problem solving. But for the rest of us, I have an open head, you have an open head. I think our I think our society in the world that we live in has has made it more difficult because people with open head we receive our inspiration ideas our problem solving from outside influences and in a world where there's less and less quiet mm-hmm. we don't we don't have the space so it's very very easy to run out of alignment to run in in energetic overload in our headspace, mm-hmm. which is not natural, which is not in alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been feeling that a lot lately where my desire for the month, as we were talking about like new moon intention setting a few days ago in our mastermind chat, 
uh, was spaciousness. That was my desire. And I think probably a lot of that comes back to this like overcrowding of the mind, right? Like just way too many things going on in the mind. So for me, that means like stepping back. It means being really intentional with my schedule. It means being really honest with myself about what I'm getting carried away with uh, in terms of like thought patterns and and obsessions almost like um, preoccupations, I guess is maybe a better word. But what would you say to somebody who wants to feel more connected to their essence and less overwhelmed by the like mental pollution? Yeah, I think there's two things. I mean, the first thing is if, if we just look at the 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 not self themes, these are the out of alignment. These are the when we talk about not self themes in human design, we're talking about those red flags. Mm-hmm. If you're experiencing this, you're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. So the not self theme for the head is am I trying to answer everyone's questions? Mm-hmm. And the not self theme for the Ajna is am I pretending to be certain? And so I think just first and foremost. You don't need to be certain all the time and you don't need to be right all the time. And your value doesn't come from how much do you know and can you provide all the answers and is it exactly right when you do it? I think that's the first thing is just like taking the pressure off mm-hmm. and letting ourselves just just come forth with, with our gifts and the things that are inherent, not so much of needing to be right all the time. Like how much pressure is there to need to be right? Mm-hmm. To, to need to do things right the first time to, to have the answers, you know, like to, to Google every single thing all the time to be certain. Oh yeah. That was me first time around motherhood. When I first had my son, which is, he's four and a half now, it was Googling everything all the time needed to know the right way to do it. Like according to my values and philosophies, I wanted to do everything right and, and just letting go of so much of that. Like, I can't even tell you the number of times since Goldie has been born. She's 14 months that I've Googled something probably like maybe twice, maybe, maybe twice. <laughs> Such a big shift there that that's a, that's a huge one. Um, and, and what other ways can we sort of ground back in? What other, like grounding feels like the answer to me. Absolutely. And so what I've really been finding is that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of this polar, it's kind of, because we think if we want to clear our mind, if we want to, you know, be high vibe, if we, all these things that we are, that we're wanting to manifest and and call in that these are like transcended sort of traits or qualities or skills that we're building, you know, it's, it's, it's transcending our basicness, but Mm -hmm. what really has to happen is you have to go in to go out. And so it's really, for me, it's been this journey actually back into very simple things with the body, Mm -hmm. very simple things, just like basic care of the body and, and real and remembering that like our body is this vessel in which our soul lives. And you really can't access the soul if you aren't in harmony with the body. So to, to try to transcend your humanness or to go beyond 
your, your basic, you know, wants and desires, your basic human needs. And to think that knowing more or studying more or, or meditating more or whatever more is the answer. It's actually quite much more simple than that. It it's really centering into the sensation and returning into trust and in switching your relationship into your body is something that I think we can so often just see our body as something that gets us from A to B. Mm. So we do things for it, but like, it's kind of conditional. It's kind of like, I, I take care of myself, but it's, it's like very output related instead of being like actually in a trusting relationship with our bodies. Say more on that. What does that mean to be in a trusting relationship with your body? I think it just means, it means simplifying. It means giving yourself space to, to allow your body to speak. And I think that this can be very challenging because we leave our bodies so early in life. You know, the first thing that, that we do in, in, in a trauma situation. And I, I do not, um, I'm not like a trauma coach, but trauma is an inevitable part of the human experience. Mm. So the first thing we do when we experience trauma is we leave our bodies, we lose trust. And so we, 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 we resort to living in the mind and the mind is where we feel like we have control. And so I think living in a trusting relationship with your body is, is really slowing down is, is my first, my, my first piece of, of advice. And then secondly, you know, I know for me, meditation practice always felt like arduous. It always Mm -hmm. felt like I was working hard. Mm -hmm. And so what, ironically has happened is having after having a life my my entire life being centered in body work in dance in you know actually being a body worker in working with uh with children in working with adults with working all kinds of people around educating them on their bodies I wanted more, right? So I went to human design. I have started working more with the energetic space. And I feel like I've spent the last couple of years just like looking for looking for the it to all click. And what is is ironic is that it's actually been in stepping away from body, like a body centered, a very hands-on, like my work was when I went to work, I was with other people's bodies all Mm -hmm. day, either Mm -hmm. touching them or, you know, teaching people about their bodies into learning energetics and this, this whole like other dimension of the human experience. And what has really brought it all full circle is actually just falling back into my body centered practice. With a new and understanding. It, with just it, yeah. And just being like, whoa, I feel like I'm see- I'm just seeking so hard. I'm seeking to know the thing. I'm seeking to know the thing to talk about, to have the right answer. And it's it's been in really going back to 
setting aside time to breathe for 10 minutes, you know, in the morning, 10 minutes of breath work in the evening. And sometimes that leads to me wanting to sit in stillness. And other times that leads me to wanting to move. And so again, it's taking the pressure off of, you know, I just posted uh, somebody else's reel, but it was like, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have fun. I reposted it. I don't know if you saw it. It was like, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is put on a cute outfit and Beyonce and like, you know, do a strut or whatever. And I love that so much. I loved it so much. Literally my, my mantra for the week was you can step outside of yourself, see your own power and be Beyonce. And it was before I even saw that you had reposted that that was like running in my head. And, and it's because we get so like, when I say step outside of yourself, I mean, step outside of your mind, step outside of your beliefs about who you are. Right. And look at yourself from the position of someone who loves you or the divine, right. Someone who deeply sees you or the divine, because when you can step outside of yourself and shift your perception and look at yourself in this different way you can see your power in a new way, right? And I think we wanted to get into this about the self-image piece and that this has led us here so beautifully is that that is such a spiritual thing that you can do is to just reconnect with your body and, and like how moving your body can move your energy, shift your energy and even shift how you feel about yourself. For sure, yeah. And I think it's, it's going back to like simplifying it's, it's allowing yourself to be, to be curious about who you are. Mm -hmm. It's like, we get to a certain age in our lives and we, we like, we lock in. It's like, we're on a track. Like I am this person, I have this career. I'm, you know, I'm married to this person or I'm not married or I, whatever, however, Mm -hmm. all the ways that we identify ourselves. And then we're, we're hooked in, Mm -hmm. we're hooked in and we're, And then there's no space for curiosity Mm -hmm. or for play Mm -hmm. or for other possibilities. And I think Mm -hmm. this, you know, goes so much into the self-image work. I think the self-image work is, it's like, it falls in between because there's at one, one spot is I'm hooked in to, to my labels. I'm hooked into my identity. The other spot is I'm curious and I'm open And then that self-image piece is kind of, it's like, it's almost, it's that in-between space where you're saying, I've allowed myself to be curious about who I possibly want to be. And I'm getting clear on it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it, it takes you from, it takes you to somewhere where you, you can, you're, you're the creator of your life. You're shaping you're shaping an identity. You get to step into an identity. It's not that you're just going to walk around curious and unsure of who you are forever. And it's also not that you're locked into anything, but it's, it's, you've allowed the curiosity and some of the, you've given yourself space to think outside of the box a little Mm -hmm. bit, think outside of other people's expectations and perceptions. And then you, you, I don't want to say you lock, like you, it's almost like you click into that. Like tap into it. Yeah. Are you like, 
you connect into the self image that, mm-hmm. that feels the most like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the so mo- there's, cause there is a comfort, right? There is a certain, like, there's a certain amount of like, we want structure. We want to be able to say like, I'm this person and this is who I am. And this is what I do. We would just, mm-hmm. like being in full openness and curiosity is not like where we want to be forever. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's, it's almost like a marrying, if you look at it from the, you know, standpoint of some of the terms that we throw around of like marrying the masculine and the feminine. So the self image work gives you that structure of these are my standards. These are my values. This is, you know, my highest self. This is what she does in this circumstance. This is how she responds. I know where I'm going. I have clarity. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, there's a container for it, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and it's also, there's space within it. It's a lot of permission and there's flexibility there. And, uh, but at the same time, it's not about like reaching outside of ourselves. Right. And just like, I, I say this often, it's not about reaching outside of ourselves and pulling up pulling things out of the air and just putting them onto ourselves as if we're like playing dress up with our identity. It's really about going inwards. Like you said before, like as within, so without. So it's tapping into what exists already inside of you that you just haven't harnessed or that you are forgetting. Right. Remembering and uncovering. I think you you say that often when we have conversations about the the remembering piece. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is a place where um, I find human design to be such a powerful tool because sometimes I think, at least for me, it's like I do the movement practice and I do the breathwork practice and I. I play and I allow myself to, to be with my body and go into my body. But sometimes it, it's still kind of can be abstract. It's like, I don't necessarily get an exact answer from those practices. And so using my human design in combination, having this, like, as we call it an energetic blueprint, it it's, it's, I think it's reaffirming and it, for me, it's been very grounding. You know, I'm a manifesting generator. I have an open head. I have an open solar plexus. So I can, I can get like, I have an undefined spleen. Like a lot of these sensing, these centers for me, I think that sometimes I feel kind of, I've felt very vague. And so tapping into my design and looking at And giving myself space to be like, does that resonate? Does that not? Like not taking it as law. But what Mm -hmm. I always tell people with human design is it's not necessarily how you are. Because how you are is a combination of your energetic blueprint and your your conditioning. It's your Mm -hmm. nature and your nurture. What Mm -hmm. your human design is is it's how you're most efficiently designed to operate. Mm -hmm. So you may look at your design or, and there may be parts where you're like, oh yeah, that's me so much. So, and then there may be other parts where you're like, eh, I don't know. I don't feel that. And Mm -hmm. so this is where we start to get curious and peel Mm -hmm. back the layers of like, huh, have I tried operating this way before? 
have I, have I tried, you know, do I, are these not self-themed questions? Are these, are these things that I, that I grapple with? Mm-hmm. And so it gives you this space to say, it's, it's not when you get a human design reading, you may not resonate with all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that just has to do with the combination of nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of peeling back those layers. And so for me, human design has been such a powerful tool in kind of giving form or creating a vocabulary and, and a reference point for what I feel in my body. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because it's, it's like, well, when the first time I found out about human design, it was like giving words exactly like what you said to things that I already felt true about myself, but had never had never had ex- had the words to express or had anybody else express about me in that same way. And I think what you're saying about these th- the nurture piece and like how you are, um, the nurture piece is like almost a, it's really self-image stuff too, right? It's like, well, I'm like this and you put that hat on and you're like, people with this kind of hat do this, this, and this, they don't do things like this, this, and this. And we assign ourselves all these rules based on these hats that we've picked up and decided to wear, right? Some of them we've decided to wear consciously. Some of them we've decided to wear unconsciously. Uh, or, or maybe somebody else kind of put the hat on our head at some point and we just assumed it as our own. But you can just decide to take a hat off at any point if you want to, or you can decide to, you know, turn the hat around backwards or put a feather in it. Like you have these choices, right? So we really confine ourselves. And, and, and like I was saying before about like just taking things from outside of us and, and, and putting them on, Um, the hat analogy kind of doesn't serve my point well from before, but it's, it's really like we have infinite possibility inside of us for ways of being right. It's just like you said about, does it resonate with you? Does it feel freeing to you to try on this new way of operating or does it feel constricting or limiting? And if it does feel constricting or limiting, you can always get curious and say like, well, why, why do I feel that that would be constricting or limiting and getting curious about like the stories and the meaning you're assigning behind all of the different pieces of who you are. So I'm curious to know for you, Kareem, what has like the self-image work done for you? Like what was the big shift for you when you started to think about it in this way? Yeah. And I mean, to be totally honest, I feel like I am very much in the exploratory stages of my self-image work because mm-hmm. what I've come to find is ah, the first time I did it, it's like, okay, I want to be this. I want these things, you know, I want to be this kind of woman. And, you know, and what I found is every time I revisit it, that there's a deepening around. Yeah. Just like the possibilities and maybe like things that are a little bit even wilder that I wouldn't have put in my self-image or wanted to bring into my self-image because of, you know, ideas or judgments or worthiness or whatever. Like, I'm just, I feel like what it's for me, the self-image work has really helped me to start to uncover 
my subconscious programming Mm-hmm. because it's like, Oh yeah. Like I, Oh yeah. Okay. Like definitely like, I want this kind of business or I want this kind of lifestyle or I want this kind of, you know, income. And then with that, as a, as that kind of, I always like, like the image of like, you know, dirt or sand kind of settling. It's like, I'm scooping all the ingredients into my, mm. into my bowl. And then it's like, as I kind of work with that and as like things kind of settle and and shift, I start to, I start to see the places where there's incongruencies between what I desire, whether I do I even truly desire that? Is that even exactly what I desire? Or mm-hmm. like, you know, is there a worthiness? Is there a judgment around morality mm-hmm. and values? And so, gosh, I don't even know. Do we even do we even actualize, do we even reach a point of actualizing your self-image or is Mm -hmm. this just a lifelong process? I think when you start to uncover it, it's, it's lifelong. Yeah. I think it, it comes back to that and it's something to revisit over and over and over again, because as you're crafting your reality, as you're manifesting, this is the number one thing is who are you? What are you being? Like, what vibration are you operating at? Because you manifest what you are, right? So it always comes back to self-image. And the quote is that self-image sets the boundaries of individual achievement, right? So it all all really comes back to your self-image and your self-image is your relationship with yourself, really. And I think your relationship with the the outside world too. It's like, how are you you know, where do you, because these, the outside world gives us like markers of like, Mm -hmm. I'm more open-minded. I'm more set in my ways. I'm more leisurely. I'm more serious. I'm more whatever. And so I also think self-image work is constantly shifting based on how your outside reality is shifting. Mm -hmm. And so it's very relational. And so it comes from within, but I think we're constantly being ta- re- circling back around to like our own curiosity and our own questioning because of the feedback, you know, and I, and maybe, maybe this is like a generator thing, right. Of responding mm. and having the open aura, maybe other energy types would experience it a little bit different, but that's how it feels for me is that I, I work as my self image. I, I conjure it up. I pull it up. I bring it up. I, I work with it. And then I, I, I respond to, to the outside world and then I shift it a little bit. Yeah. That could, it could be a generator thing, but it sounds, you know, sort of like the process that would be because we have to sort of like adjust course as we discover new things and we learn new things. So I think it could be I think it could apply to most people for sure. But where do you think that, because self-image, it really is, it really is this internal thing, which, you know, how we relate to ourselves is how we relate outwardly. Like it's a mirror thing too. But then how do we relate it back to the body? How do we relate it back to like our relationship with our body? It has to do with honoring the body's intelligence and like really honoring the mystery 
of the body. What I mean by that is I'm just thinking off the top of my head. It's like when you allow yourself to lean into trust in your body. So when, and I find this mostly, you know, it's getting into that flow state, right? Like, you know, about flow state, it's where we start to bypass our conscious mind when we get into flow state. And it's those moments where you allow yourself to, and I find this is really powerful in, in anything that's rhythmic. So whether that's a rhythmic, continuous, like movement pattern, like a rocking pattern, or, you know, there's different, I, I do a lot of spinal articulation work. And it's like where you start to just allow yourself to fall into a rhythm. And it's like, at first you're thinking about the rhythm and you're doing the rhythm. Then you move into where you're kind of like still doing the rhythm, but you're kind of starting to feel maybe your mind is like, this is hard or like, I, I don't like this or like, I have an itch or I need to sneeze. Like your, your body starts to like, want to pull you away Mm -hmm. from allowing yourself to, to fall into that, that flow. And then if you, if you stay with it, if you keep with it and you just, you know, and a lot of times this can be using mantras as you're moving to Mm -hmm. help to reassure your conscious mind, reassure your fear mind, like we're safe. It's okay. We can go here. The body's got us. And when you hit that flow state of where you've been, all of a sudden you are being breathed, Mm. you are being moved like, and it just And you just like, you tap into this space of this is like true trust in the body and flow where the body is in there, but, but but there's a mystery about it, right? Because it's not, you're not controlling it, but you're, you're being it Mm -hmm. and it is, it's, it's carrying you, it's guiding you, you know? And so I think that the one thing that I've noticed, I'm a mom of two. I have a, a three and a half year old and a one year old, similar to you. I think this is the hardest part is a, allowing, having the time and the space that I need to, to really be able to access this, this kind of flow state, this kind of relaxation state, because it does in reality, I mean, as you get better, as you Uh, or better as you get more seasoned, more in touch, it can happen more quickly, but there is a practice element involved in, in this work because it's, it's, it's trust and it's, it's getting out of, uh, do I need to be in control? Do I need to know everything that's happening? Do I need to be doing it right? You know, Mm -hmm. back to the, the very beginning of our conversation, but I think just beginning a practice of, of movement or breath that again, too, going into it with, with, with no expectations or maybe low expectations, no expectations is sometimes maybe not accessible, but just again, approaching it with curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you kind of saying here and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're using these practices in your body to connect to your essence and, and at your essence, you are, you know, divinity 
experiencing itself, right? You're that's that's what we really are. That's what consciousness is, is like this sort of God consciousness experiencing itself. It's the connection to the great I am. Um, it's the connection to the whole, to the collective. And that's really what we are at our essence is like a wave in the ocean, uh, but a part of the ocean or a ray of the sun, but obviously a part of the power of the sun. That's where you find the deepest amount of comfort and trust in who you are, right? Because that's the, the whole that you can always tap back into, right? Like, this is what I'm hearing you saying is that when we, when we create space for these practices, we're leaning on something bigger than ourselves. It might seem like, oh, you know, bodily movement or meditation, it seems like insignificant or small or like just very physical. But I think it's actually quite spiritual to, to have these practices because it, it, that's what the trust that you're saying is. The trust is trust in something deeper inside of you in that, that almost immovable part of your self-image that you need to ground into. It's the difference between for and for me, I think other people can access their oneness in so many different ways. Oh, Not yeah. everybody needs a movement practice. Oh yeah. But I think what I've found is that has been the thing of like, oh yeah, that's why I did this all along. Mm. I didn't know consciously like this is my this is my direct cord mm. to my oneness and my mm-hmm. divinity. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was always drawn to, to working with the body, to physical practices, but I didn't see it as that. I saw it as artistry or therapeutic or, you know, all these other ways. And I think what has been the biggest thing is knowing like, oh yeah, this is my medicine. Mm-hmm. This is how I access I learned all the concepts. I, I did the journal prompting. I am, I'm, I'm learning all of the vocabulary. I'm understanding the system and the, the you know, human design system and principles of manifestation and all these things. And now I know these things. And so the way that I, that I put those, that I take it out of my head, into my heart, into my sacral is for me, it's the movement practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that too, for sure. And that's where it's really clicked in saying like, oh yeah, I just actually went back to the thing I was doing all along, but I needed to walk this, the, I needed to walk it on this path because I couldn't see it before. I didn't get it before because I wasn't open to my movement practice meaning more than what it meant on just a, a 3D physical level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on the same vein, I was just thinking how we take things like in the manifestation process, we take them like, this is why when people say your thoughts, beca- thoughts become things, right? Thoughts become things, but there's a process of the thoughts moving from our head into our heart, feeling them, and then moving down into our like sacral, which is like this pathway of like bringing it down, like from the heavens into the physical reality. And that's, that's why I said the word like grounding and say like that, that rooting, you know, and like, not just talking about like the sacral in human design, but like the sacral chakra, like really birthing and like bringing things into like rooting and sacral birthing, rooting, like down 
you know, into 3D reality. It's like we can't just float up in this ethereal realm all the time. It's like we came here to experience physicality, right? That's like mm-hmm. what are we're we're connect like like the, the the spiritual is connected deeply into the physical, right? That's like it's inseparable. So it's not discounting the physical experience and it's honoring it just as well, right? Totally. Yeah. And I think it's funny because now that you're saying this, I, I had forgotten, but I had had two different like energy at a Reiki practitioner and an intuitive both tell me in the last like six months, you know, like, cause this has been, this has been a process. It's been just mm-hmm. ongoing of kind of, you know, I, I, I always say like the path, the path to energetic alignment, the path to alignment, enlightenment, whatever, however you want to describe it. It's nonlinear, right? It's mm-hmm. like two steps forward, one step back, you know, and then it's like a step to the side and a step back on. And then when, so it's, it's always this, like, you're, you're just like Dance. adjusting it. Yeah. You're making like a little tweak here and you're like, oops, that was too much. Okay. Step back. But I had two different people tell me like, both of them said, you know, like your root and your sacral chakra are like very alive. They're very healthy. And same with your heart chakra is very mm-hmm. alive and very healthy, but it was my solar plexus that was really shut down. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you have, you have the pieces, but it's not flowing together in one. And I think when you were talking about, I don't know if it was in wholehearted manifestation or just on another live that you did, you've been talking about this I of pulling thoughts and then feeling them into emotions and this process of you know like planting the seed like we don't know how long it's going to take we don't have a way to measure how long it takes for thought energy to come into physical form Mm -hmm. and I think that's when I kind of actually jumped back into because my head, my logical mind had been saying, you should do something with your movement practice. You should do something with your movement practice, but I couldn't find it in an inspired way. It just Mm -hmm. felt like a should like a forced, Mm -hmm. like you have this resource. And I had, again, multiple people telling me this, like, well, you should do something with that. And I'm like, I should do something with that. Shouldn't I? Oh, should, should, should. (laughs) But it was really in just in, in, in wanting to to find that either like that settling, that connection, that, mm-hmm. that dropping down where it goes out of the head and we stop trying to manage it or understand it or be certain about it or control it. And this is, again, I think leaning into the trust of our body is exactly the same thing as leaning into the trust of the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because our cells are tiny microcosms. Yeah. Of of the greater all the time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think it's so true. Like if you, if you even just take a moment to imagine what goes on in your body on like a moment to moment basis, the amount of like chemical reactions and just the systems all working together and the just, you know, ultimate goal of keeping you alive. But like, you're, you're, you're an ecosystem, you're a universe, you're, like it's truly miraculous. And, and the brain is just this, you know, would put a, a supercomputer to shame, right? Like any supercomputer to shame because we don't even understand 
like how we only use 10% capacity of our brain. Like how is it even possible that we could use a hundred percent? Imagine, just imagine it's incredible. Like there's so much divinity everywhere and, and leaning into that. You, you can lean into that at any moment in your body. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And that's the piece that, that connects it all together, you know, because learning the concepts, having the information, I think we, we can get so hung up on, okay, is it working yet? Is mm-hmm. it working? It's mm-hmm. like checking the bread in the oven, you know, it's like, there's a, there has, there has to be the mystery. There has to be the, the alchemical process, the part that we can't see, mm-hmm. you know, the part of the, in, within the depth, within the dark. And this is like, this is all feminine energy, right? The mm-hmm. darkness, the depth, the mystery, the trust. Yeah the cocooning, like the going inwards and like dissolving everything that is to rebuild and rebirth, um, as a, as a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, I think where this is the, where we have the work to do, you know, is because it's, we feel so much safer in our, in our masculine knowing in our mm-hmm. linear and our, our logic, it feels that's where we've been conditioned to feel so safe, mm-hmm. but that has its limitations. And it's only when we get into and, and lean into and trust and move with the mystery mm-hmm. that that's when we start to be able to make miracles happen, essentially call miracles in. Yes. Yes. You know, I love miracles. Yeah, I do. I love love the definition of a miracle to me. Anyways, for anyone who is not familiar with the course in miracles, it's a change in perception. And I truly wholeheartedly believe that because when we change our perception, you know, it's, it's the, the classic Wayne Dyer expression. You know, when we, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. So that's what it is. It's, it's a change of perception. It's a miracle, right? So we can, we can have miraculous change by, by being open to something new, to a new perspective. So how, Kareen, are you using all of this right now in your coaching practice? How are you helping people directly, women directly with this? Yeah, so this clarity piece um, has really just dropped in in the last week or so. Um, it's been, I've been working with, I feel like the two things separately. I've been working, you know, with my, with my clients very specifically on human design. People mm-hmm. are definitely coming to me for human design, mainly one-to-one coaching, embodiment mm-hmm. coaching. I love it. And then uh, my own work, like I said, it's just like, I just got, I just got this feeling like, oh, I just, I just need to like go and do this for a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. only been in the last couple of weeks that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's, it's marrying up. It's, it's like that, that blocked part that I'm feeling the the connection in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, right now I'm, I'm birthing um, a group program. Mm-hmm. It's called blow your mind. And it's going to be a combination of teaching about these principles, about essence work, about body trust um, with an actual physical component. So learning some 
different breathwork patterns and um, really culminating into a fun, uh, creative, like personal movement expression. So mm-hmm. working with some different tools, some different, um, you know, I, I, I love my alignment. I love my technicalities and movement. Like there, I, I love the, the movement integrity. So really yes. teaching some anatomical things, both for safety and because I, I feel like it deepens the experience of, of personal awareness. So that's going to be coming out in early September and just moving from there. And then of course, doing one-to-one work, starting to just, I feel like I'm really allowing it to come to me of how it, how it wants to be, how it wants to be taught and expressed. Mm-hmm. Well, I see beautiful things coming from you. I, I just know that this course is going to be incredible. I can't wait to be one of the first people to, to go through it because I just think yes. that that I just really think that that physical piece is really needed. And like the movement piece is just so juicy and delicious. Uh, and I, and I love that, especially for just reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your, your human. Cause we, we, we can't leave her last, you know, we can't leave her last because she is an inherent part of our spiritual being, our, our divine being like, yes, you know, it's a flesh suit, you know, that whole expression where just, you know, flesh suits riding a, a ball of whatever through space. Like, I don't know. I've heard that one before. <laughs> a rock or something. <laughs> rock through space at however, whatever speed, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more uh, sacred than that. I would say, you know, it's so. so much more sacred because as we've said, I mean, we are tiny microcosms. Yeah. And I, I believe that there's consciousness in each and every single bit of ourselves. You know, I, I don't think that it's like that, that, that our consciousness lives in only like one part of our body or something. I think it's equally divided all throughout and our mind is, is, is too. like, there's the brain portion of the mind, but I think that there's mind in the body as well. You know, like there's that intelligence. So Oh, this has been a great conversation. I love it. I love, I love all of these things coming together in this way, these concepts coming together in this way. And I'm so glad to have had you here. Uh, Karina and I are, you know, we're, we're buddies in the background. We're always talking like almost every day, actually, these days. Yeah. <laughs> so we um, actually most recently, I'll tell you that Karina has helped me a bit uh, with human design um, with my son. And learning his human design has been so helpful um, with, you know, he's four and a half. So helping him with his emotions and helping him feel seen as who he really is and, uh, and, and, and that kind of stuff. So if you, if you guys are interested in human design, not just for yourselves, but also for your life, like there's just so many different ways that it can help help you understand yourself and relate with the people you care about uh, most. So reach out to Kareen. I'll put all of her information in the show notes for you guys so that you can find her easily and connect with her and go check out her reels. Cause I love watching Kareen's reels. Lots of fun, lots of movement um, and inspiration. So thanks again, Kareen. Ah, so thank you, Millie. To have you yes. here. Yes. Human design is so powerful for, for our children. If we can 
begin to understand our children on an energetic level. Um, there's so much that we can do with really helping them to not need to decondition as much mm. as we do. That's one of the things that the founder, Ra, he has said is that it's it, the system isn't for us adults. It's really for our children because mm. there's so much power in what, what we can do for them and in just instilling trust in their bodies, right? Because that's mm -hmm. when we lose our trust in our bodies. It's when we're children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super true. So my final question for you is... Yes. What you asked you... the best questions, by the way. <laughs> I'm so You're such a good interviewer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so let me let me get to my final question for you here. What are you currently manifesting? I'm currently manifesting just I'm a non-specific manifester. So I feel like it's really a deeper state of oneness with myself. It's really this power like a gentle power, a, a, a vibration and clarity and an ability to, to stop people, to stop people that are, that are longing for this work, that are seeking for this work, whether they know it or not. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to be felt. I want to be yeah. felt. Ooh, I like that. And so, yeah, it's just manifesting because, you know, and then just assuming that in my, in the power of my oneness, you know, my financial goals and my, um, my lifestyle goals will all just fall into place, but it's really that, that power. Yes. Yeah. In well, presence. Absolutely. Getting clarity on that and what those lifestyle things are that, that is awesome too. I mean, with the non-specific thing, just for anybody who doesn't know what that means is that, um, how much detail is required or like feels right for you as a manifester. So non-specific manifestors have more vague manifestations and then specific manifestors have like very high detail when they're manifesting. Correct me if I didn't say that like quite as well as I could have. Yeah. And a lot of times this will feel very natural. I find that people that are non-specific manifestors are like relieved to hear that because they're like, oh my God, yeah, it felt so stressful to like, list out every single detail of my, because we've been told you got to get specific and clear and you got to tell the universe mm -hmm. what you want. Yeah. And then I think it also feels uh, like a relief to specific manifestors. They're like, well, that's good because I know exactly what I want. Yeah. That's <laughs> I'm great. not open. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. And just uh, one more piece on that is what I'm really finding too with, with my physical, my physical reality manifestations is I am in a deep, deep process of, questioning values and, and morality around where my true desires are and where my limiting beliefs come, beliefs come in about that. And so that's a process that I think that's why some of my physical stuff isn't as clear yet is because mm -hmm. I'm still working through my own layers of, of conditioning around desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love those conversations too. It's like what I'm, I have this desire I feel guilty or shameful around the desire. What am I making it mean about who I am as a person? In comes the self-image work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just Amazing. continuing in that process. <laughs> All right. Well, let's both go do our self-image work and we'll reconnect again sometime on it, probably in the very near future. So thank you again, Kareen. And uh, everybody go and check her out.
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Millie Fox Show. If you resonated with something in the episode, take a screenshot right now and share it to social. You can tag me at Millie Fox so I can reshare it. And while you're there, come give me a follow and say hey. If you're really vibing, I would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review to help the show reach more listeners. And if you want to go one step farther with me, you can hop over to the link in my bio on Instagram to see how you can work with me. Thanks again. Love you guys.